Welcome to Pastors of the Roundtable. This is the Discipleship Podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church, brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. We encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and connect you to the people and the ministries of uh, MMBC. Uh, we're sitting around the table today, continuing our discussion through the Baptist faith and message. We just recently celebrated 100 episodes Um and apparently that kind of show was was kind of a hit. Um, actually, in my mm-hmm. Sunday school class, someone said um, that they encouraged, they they wanted to make an announcement, they said, before class. And I didn't know what it was. And they just said about encouraging people to take stock in Taco Bell. <laughs> I guess because they had listened to the show and, and everything. So um, we don't have Pastor Tim with us today, but we got Scott Slater, Dave Arnold, Spencer Snow here. So we're going to... Um, walk through the Baptist faith and message continuing. This is, we're in chapter 15, um, which is titled the Christian and the social order. Now um, this chapter, if you know the history of this statement of faith, the Baptist faith and message, it was, it has three editions, the 1925 edition, the 1963 edition, and the 2000 edition. Uh, the 1925 edition, this chapter was called Social Service, but was later on changed in the title to The Christian and the Social Order. So I will um, read it, and then we can walk through some of the main points um, pertaining uh, to it. It says this, All Christians are under obligation to seek to make the will of Christ supreme in our own lives and in human society. Means and methods used for the improvement of society and the establishment of righteousness among men can be truly and permanently helpful only when they are rooted in the regeneration of the individual by the saving grace of God in Jesus Christ. In the spirit of Christ, Christians should oppose racism, every form of greed, selfishness, and vice, and all forms of sexual immorality, including adultery, homosexuality, and pornography. We should work to provide for the orphaned, the needy, the abused, the aged, the helpless, and the sick. We should speak on behalf of the unborn and contend for the sanctity of all human life from conception to natural death. Every Christian should seek to bring industry, government, and society as a whole under the sway of the principles of righteousness, truth, and brotherly love. In order to promote these ends, Christians should be ready to work with all men of goodwill in any good cause, always being careful to act in the spirit of love without compromising their loyalty to Christ and his truth. Okay, so right away, one of the questions I think, you you read the title of this chapter, it's called The Christian and the Social Order. So we're talking about the individual Christian and his relationship to the social order. Now, I looked up online, what is the meaning of the word social order? And you could probably find a different definitions. Here's a couple. Um, social order, according to Merriam-Webster, is the totality of structured human interrelationships in a society or a part of it. So the totality of structured interrelationships in a society or a part of it. Another definition I got from the APA Dictionary of Psychology defines the social order as the structures, institutions, and organizing principles that maintain a society in its customary or characteristic form. So structures, institutions, and organizing principles. So um, I'm assuming structures and institutions, things would be, whether that be the government or as even this uh, part of the Baptist faith and message says, industry. Um, So I'm assuming it's talking about 
I guess you could call it big or small business um, of different sorts. Um, workplaces, I'm assuming, would be underneath that. Or it may be also the family institution, I'm assuming, maybe considered part of that. Anyway, it's quite broad, but the organizing principles that maintain a society in its customary or characteristic uh, form. So guys, uh, without Tim here, so we can say, be honest and, uh, speak our truth. Um, because, uh, because, uh, Tim's, Tim's gone now, but, um, what is your initial thoughts before we kind of walk through what this statement says about the Christian the social order, this statement's place in the Baptist faith and message 2000 initial thoughts or reactions? I would say, I mean, it, it definitely in more recent years, I mean, people who don't follow, I guess, Southern Baptist news and like what's happened and people involved at more of the national level of Southern Baptist politics, you might say. This is probably one of the more controversial uh, parts of the Baptist faith and message. People don't always see eye to eye on not just what this says, but how it's supposed to be carried out. Mm. Um, and I think that there's a there's places in here where you read there's leeway, there's room for conscience, but it definitely has, while there's a lot of things that I think all of us would agree are true in here in terms of we should care for the orphaned. Mm-hmm. Scripture specifically says that. Mm-hmm. We should oppose sexual immorality. Scripture specifically says that. It's the, This definitely can be taken in a way and run with in a way that is not helpful to the church, in a way that is not subject to scripture and what God has commanded us to do. Um, But there's a way that it can be. And so I think this is one of those areas where it's like, you can take this and run with it in a way that's really unhelpful and misses the point of what the church is supposed to do. Or uh, you can take it in a different way in terms of like, what do Christians believe about these issues? So, so So. let me ask you a question. What would be a bad, you mentioned two ways, a bad example. What would be like a, illustration of a bad example of something yeah uh okay let me think i don't have a specific illustration but like what would what would generally happen so like if if a bad example would be like a church that basically takes this article 15 of the baptist faith and message and makes that its mission Mm -hmm. and says this is the most important thing we can do as a church we can advocate for human rights we can uh we can um protest abortion you know we can do all of these social oriented things and they make that their mission that's all they ever talk about that's all they ever organize try to do but they they lose sight of the fact that god has called us to proclaim the gospel to the world and to be a people that are that is holy as he is holy we we just got done doing Mm -hmm. a podcast about that and so a church that has lost sight of its mission and there are churches that have done that and they've they've when churches they go that route, they also tend to be going the route of theological liberalism yeah. because that's the only mission mm-hmm. that's left is social interaction. And, and, and this can take a, well, and, and so there is definitely a, um, and in there, there can be a more, we, we would, for back of a bit, lack of a better word, liberalism or progressivism, this yeah. can be taken in that strain. Yeah. It can also be taken in a, um, there can be a, uh, for lack of a better term, again, right-wing way to do this as well. Yes. Where we do see churches, on the other hand, they may advocate different policies, but they still have the same emphasis emphasis that this is the church's mission. Yes. Correct? Yeah, so like that's why I use the example of protest abortion. Like 
if if a church like we here all personally protest abortion like we don't think it's a good thing correct we think it's terrible but that's not the mission of our church mm-hmm. and so that would be an example of like if a church sees its mission and the thing that they have meetings about midweek and the things that they organize right. about right. they're not they're not worried about sharing the gospel with people in their community they're worried about getting enough people from their church to go to the March for Life event. Sure. Um, that's a misplaced priority. As weird as that sounds yeah. for a conservative person to say, which most people in our church would be that position, I would guess, that's not our purpose as a church. Right, right. Yeah. And, and like anything, it, it, the, there needs to be balance, you know. I mean, w- there is there is that sense, and I think, that, I think Article 15 talks about this, there is that sense of social awareness. I mean, you look at social issues that were going on in Israel, you know, the, and the prophets would, would, would preach against that, or God would, you would speak through them uh, about the injustice, you know, of the poor, like in Hosea and, and um, uh, Amos and Joel, you know, the, the oppression that, that the, the, the powerful were oppressing the poor. And so there are those issues for sure. But we're living in a time and age where there's such a, it's so trendy to be socially aware. You know, like this, the book that we did for Sunday school that I, that I did, Mission by the Book, by uh, Missions by the Book by Chad Vegas, he talks about a lot of mission organizations are falling into that trapping mm-hmm. of like becoming socially like, okay, we're, we're going to socially improve this particular area in the name of Jesus, but the gospel is second place rather than Mm -hmm. the gospel being the main priority. And then through the gospel, as Paul makes it clear, that's when the, you know, reconciliation takes place between the slave and the, you know, Mm -hmm. and the master and so forth, that idea. But we've, you know, the, the, I think the temptation is Christians and the church and missions and all that have gone the other way of saying, no, this is most important. And the gospel, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that, but let's, let's fix this broken Mm-hmm. social issue right now. Yeah. And I think that's what you said, Scott, very well. Yeah, I, the th- and where I, I, I alluded to this, but where I think this really becomes difficult is, like this, Article 15 is very specific. It mentions very specific things. It lists them out, mm-hmm. both in terms of negative and in terms of positive. And I think where this becomes difficult is, how do you apply it? Like, how are we to do this as a church? Like, it starts off by saying, all Christians are under obligation to seek and to make the will of Christ supreme in our own lives and in human society. But how? It doesn't say how. Right. It doesn't define that. In the same way that, but like, if we believe that we should oppose sin, it lists sins. If we believe that we should promote doing good in areas that we're commanded in Scripture to do good, answering the question of how is I think where this becomes so controversial and so difficult for people to work out. And just a so I use the example of like of 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 abortion of we a Christian should oppose abortion, but how they should do that, that's a matter of conscience, I think. Mm-hmm. In the same way that we would point to the passage in James that says that true religion is caring for orphans and widows in their need and keeping oneself unstained from the world. Well, how am I supposed to care for orphans? Does that mean every single Christian family should adopt? I don't think we would say that. Mm -hmm. But the Scripture says we should care for orphans and widows in their need. But how? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the the difficult part of this, is how. And we have examples on on, on both sides of people that take it way too far to where it becomes the mission of the church and people that don't take it far enough and completely disengage and 
and don't care at all uh, from it. So it's hard. It would be hard to, I mean, that's, that's the hard part of this, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And, and in fairness to the statement, it doesn't specifically say the church is to do this. It yeah. says Christians. Yes. To be fair to the statement, right? It says yeah. the Christian in the social order, not the church yeah. and the social order, which is, I think, an important point to, to make. Yeah. So it does say that. <clears throat> and, um, and so we're talking about individual Christians or groups of Christians, maybe outside of the context of, of the church um, as an institution or, yeah. uh, or an organism. Yeah, right. That's right. A good point. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that that's something to, to be reminded of um, <clears throat> similarly as well. So, well, I guess let me walk through this. I've got, I've, I like to try to summarize if I can. So first of all, it says we're obligated. So it says all Christians are to seek to make Christ's will supreme in our lives and society. Um, so, the question I would have, and I, I would say everyone would agree or should agree, Christ's will should be supreme in our lives. Mm-hmm. And the the big question, though, is whatever it says and society, what does that mean? I think this is where I would be comfortable saying is that people should make Christ's will supreme in their lives and in their various callings. So... I, you know, for instance, uh, I have been called to make Christ's will supreme as a father with my family. So I'm called to teach them the will of God, to teach them Christ's word, to pray with them, to teach them to pray, and also um, to make sure that my house is a house where righteousness dwells and sin is uh, reproved. That's what I'm to do as a father. As a husband, I am to build up and take care of my wife. Um, And I can seek to make Christ's will supreme in that way, in loving her, serving her, encouraging her. Uh, As a pastor, as a citizen, I have a certain amount of duties. And I can can seek to, and this is the the challenging part, though, with the question about um, what the role of government should be, whether or not we, you know, Christians have disagreed over whether or not there should be an establishment of religion. Mm-hmm. Um, the America, as American Christians, we would probably disagree with that. Um, uh, Specifically, as Baptists, yes, if the you First know Amendment history, we would disagree with. That. Right, right. So, um, and then. Um, so you got the, your church relationship, your family relationship with your workplace. That doesn't mean as well, whenever I go to work, if I'm wherever I'm working, um, it doesn't mean I necessarily have to put crosses all over my work or stickers that say Jesus saves. Yeah. It means I need mm-hmm. to do a good job at my workplace and be a, a, and live a holy life before my coworkers and the people around me. Mm-hmm. So, I guess my thing is for me, that's what that should mean then and to do good in my various callings. And, and if I run, if I happen in my callings to run into a widow or an orphan or whatever that looks like wherever God has placed me, then I do that in my callings. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the one thing I would want to, I wouldn't want people to feel unnecessarily guilty if they feel like it's, this is saying it's your job to join a political action committee to therefore try to change the institutions of your local government or whatever. And that's where I think the broadness of this can be dangerous. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Because I think the first thing I was describing, I think I can say from the Bible, the Mm -hmm. second part 
is not a sin, mm-hmm. but it's not required of everybody yeah. to do that. Yeah. Right? Sure. So what do you guys think about yeah. what I just said? I mean, I mean, we'll, like William Wilberforce, it comes to mind, you know, he, God specifically called him within Parliament in London and used him to abolish slavery, you know, because he was Correct. wrestling with that. You know, John Newton was right. his mentor, and he's like, I feel called to ministry, and Newton, I think, by God's mm-hmm. word, you know, providence, said, stay where you're at, right? be faithful, and I don't think he was, like, you know, set out to be like, I'm going to do this, and do, you mm-hmm. know, like, it was just like, as a Christian, this is my duty to care for, for others, and I'm going to, this is something that's, you know, like, where I can be a part of right. God's plan and will for this. And so I think that's a good example mm-hmm. um, of Because God yeah. had specifically placed him yes. in parliament. Exactly. To, to make that him. argument. Yes. And that was his calling, yes. was this is an unjust thing happening. This is not simply a violation of the gospel. This is a violation of natural law yeah. that that the creator gave, right? So therefore, mm-hmm. this is wrong. We need yeah. to we need to abolish this. And he, you're right, he worked within his calling yep. to see that that was carried out. But, uh, what, but would he say, everybody needs to do this? No. Right. Because God calls you know, each person to a specific task. And I think there are some that have a bent toward social things like that feel called, like maybe like what Sailor House is doing, that feel called to a specific kind of niche or unique, unique ministry in that sense to, to work with widows, to work sure. with uh, you know, the, the oppressed. But sure. to say, we should all do this. That's our duty. No. God has given each to each person. It, yeah, in the same way, I wouldn't encourage every Christian man in our church to become a pastor. Right. Sure. Yeah. Like that's that's not right. for you. Yes. You shouldn't do that. Most most should not. Yes. Yeah. Most. Right. James says that. Not right. many of you right. should yeah. become right. teachers. Right. But that's what you were saying, Spencer. That's exactly what I was getting at. Was that this doesn't address the how. Mm-hmm. Right. And when we start interpreting this statement to say this is how you should do it mm-hmm. that's when i think you're going to really get into trouble mm-hmm. yeah. when you're binding yeah. the conscience of a christian to engage in a certain political act or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. um but like yeah like what you were saying the way this plays out in the christian's life individually is going to look different but what like the what's listed in this are the very specific things that scripture's pretty clear on right that as a Christian, you should oppose this. Correct. Because it's specifically called out. As sin. Is sin right. in Scripture. Yeah. Right. Like you, you, you can't, cons- let's I say this, you cannot consistently be a Christian and promote sexual immorality. Correct. You, you can't do that. Right. You know, there's there's reason for church discipline for that in 1 Corinthians. Right. You, it just doesn't work. Mm. You, you cannot be a Christian and consistently believe that homosexuality is okay. Mm-hmm. You, you can't do that. Um. Now, how you engage in your society to see those principles of righteousness live out, it's kind of up to your own conscience, but mm-hmm. you can't support it. Right. I think at the very least, that's what it's saying is you can't support this. Right, right. So, yeah. And, and it, one of the things that's interesting about this statement is it, it specifically mentions, um, I, I, like so, we have racism, greed, selfishness, vice. So, especially racism and various forms of sexual immorality. And on the other hand, the protection of unborn uh, life and mm-hmm. contending for those life. But what's interesting is those are only two or three. Those are only a couple of the Ten Commandments. And in our Christian lives, we're actually to oppose in our callings 
all forms of sin. Mm-hmm. Whether that, even, even, that's why we, in a sense, that's why we share the gospel because we oppose idolatry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we because we think that the first commandment is valid or covetousness. Um, now, I'm not saying we should create a social program to make sure everybody, sh- you know, I'm not. I, I just think that um, these are two examples of probably uh, particular sins that they were thinking about, uh, particularly the racism thing. We know uh, that is in there, especially because of the Southern Baptist history, yeah. the past um, with slavery mm-hmm. and racism, which was which was there and which the Southern Baptist Convention has repeatedly um uh, acknowledged to be wrongful and sinful. Um, also, sexual immorality, we see that, um, obviously, uh, identity issues with homosexuality and the um, explosion of the influence of pornography um, in our society and into the church as well, honestly. Um, and also the contention, contending for the unborn and the sanctity. It's interesting. It says the sanctity of all human life from uh, birth to natural death, or I guess you'd say conception yeah. to natural death, yeah. which applies to uh, euthanasia. Yeah. So like states like, I think Oregon, for instance, is at least one state that I know that I think has uh, the right to die um, mm-hmm. legislation uh, of sorts. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are issues that um, scripture is really clear about these, these specific sins mm-hmm. as it is for other sins as well on top of that. But these are, these are things that um, you're right, Scott, that, the Ten Commandments clearly address um, uh, these these sins, and these are things we should all oppose yeah. in our callings yeah. and, and that, try to live in our own lives. Yeah, and that brings out the question of, well, then why would these specific ones be the only ones that are included in this? And I, my own personal thought would be that that's because these are the hot button issues in our day. Yeah, these are the ones that like Christians that needs to be defined. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like we all understand lying is wrong. And murder is wrong, right? But we have, like, I mean, the abortion one applies specifically to murder yeah. and the euthanasia one. And so, like, applying those to the hot-button issues mm-hmm. of the day, yeah. I think that's really kind of why are these specific ones right. listed? That's my answer to it um, because there's obviously more. Yeah. Sure, right? sure. Um, yeah, so then it says also, it has the idea of influence, um, it says that we are to bring, I use the word influence just to kind of summarize, but it says we are to bring, seek to bring industry, government, and society as a whole under the sway of the principles of righteousness, truth, and brotherly love. Um, what do you think it refers to industry? Does that refer to, I, I interpreted that as meaning workplace in general. Is that what you would interpret that as? Or yeah. is there any? Yeah, I mean, that's what I would think. Um, mm-hmm. government, obviously society, um, it's kind of a very broad catch all, but it says we're to seek to bring these things as a whole under the principles of righteousness, truth, and brotherly love. Now just talk about, I, I honestly have questions. I don't know exactly what all that means. Uh, if I could be fair, um, what does it mean to have principles of righteousness, truth, and brotherly love as a whole reigning over all of these, uh, things, any thoughts? I mean, I, what I read that as, I kind of see that as going back to what you were talking about earlier, referring to the many vocations or callings in our lives. Each of us has a calling related to every single one of those. Yeah. You're in society, you're a husband, you're a father. In, uh, in the government, you're a citizen. 
of your government in our political system, you are involved in the government. If you know, you at least have the opportunity to be right. Um, but also in industry, I mean, you're a man, you, you work, we, the people, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, right. so it's like, I, that's kind of what I see that. And so in your involvement in those things, in your workplace, if you have an opportunity where you are to make it a more righteous environment by promoting biblical principles, of, of goodness that God has commanded as like you said, part of natural law, you should probably do that if you have that opportunity. Same thing, like obviously in your home or obviously as a citizen, if there's a, mm-hmm. a vote coming up about something where you can, you know, if there's like sometimes there's those specific things that are on the ballot or whatever yeah. that you vote for, yeah. and you as a, are, you're exercising your right as a citizen to vote, which way should you vote for that one? Well, if it's something that's explicitly against what's commanded in Scripture, you could you should probably vote against that. Mm. So I think that's just referring to the the individual ways that all of us are involved. We're, we're yeah. involved in, as workers. We're involved as as citizens. We're involved as part of a family. Mm. And I think you know, doing like Paul says, do all things for the glory of God, whether you eat or drink. And I think you know the issues that he was wrestling with with the Corinthian church, you know, because they were struggling. You know, okay, now that I'm saved now that I'm a follower of Christ, can I go to the market and buy meat knowing that it's offered to Apollos, you know, or um, Apollo, yeah. Me, yeah. Apollo, you know, or Jupiter or whatever, one of the gods. And obviously Paul makes it clear. It's like, well, if your conscience, if you're, if you're, if you are like, I can't do this because I know where this meat's come from and that, and that's going to cost another person to stumble a weaker brother then don't do it. But if your conscience is okay, then, you know, and so I think obviously he was dealing with, you know, social issues in that context too. And I think, you know, to your point, Scott, you know, we, we have to be faithful to what God's called us to. And there's going to be like, should we not go to Walmart, you know, because Walmart promotes certain things, yeah. you know, or should we not get Disney plus because, you know, and you have to wrestle with those things and you have to be, you know, uh, faithful to the mm-hmm. Lord and your conscience. And I think that's what Paul is dealing with in the ancient world with, with meat dedicated yeah. to God. For sure. Example, so. Sure. Yeah, I think one of the things that comes up to uh, whenever I think about this is um, I think this is particularly with our uh, recent experience with uh, questions relating to um, the role of government, the role of the church, and with COVID, that kind of like blew up and kind of maybe um, highlighted a lot of a lot of different perspectives and issues. I think one of the things that really did highlight is a um, a lack of Christian reflection on the role of government and the relationship between church and state. We probably hadn't done a, um, a and and maybe culture at large as well, but um, I think there's probably not been the needed reflection. Uh, up on that uh, in the church, uh, the proper understanding of uh, of things, um, and I think COVID may have may have uncovered that um, to a certain extent. That we we really need to do some more serious reflection upon the way that church in the past, Christians in the past, navigated these issues, and um, uh, also the reflect upon the text of scripture and how, um, because honestly, one of the things you brought up, Dave, you, you, and, and it is true that the prophets, um, uh, condemned, uh, sin in the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the tricky things is, is how do we interpret the prophets who are speaking to a theocracy mm-hmm. 
And how do we interpret that now in light of a, a church that, at least as Baptists, we believe there shouldn't be a theocracy anymore, right? So the church is not the, the church and the state are not the same as they were under Old Testament Israel. So how do we apply those truths? Because sometimes there have been people that will apply those prophet passages to the New Testament church as if our situations are the exact same. Mm-hmm. Now, there is substantial continuity there. Sure. Uh, sin is still sin. Right. But how it was applied to Old Testament Israel is different from the way it's going to be applied to us in the New Testament dispensation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's good. And so... Um, I think the same question, I mean, yeah. to be fair, can can be said to like anyone who's referencing a New Testament passage that Paul wrote to Christians involved Mm -hmm. in their, you know, the way they relate to the emperor supreme or to the magistrate, because that was written to people who were not part of a democracy. Right. Correct. You know, and like lived under a very different form of government. Right. And so it takes a lot of prudence and wisdom to apply any of these things, whether you're looking at the old Testament or the new Testament. And, um, it's hard. Yeah, to do it because different people think differently about it. Sure. Yeah. I think overall, the bigger thing is uh, the Christian disposition. And this also ties into the way um, you uh, view what we call eschatology. Um, I think in the past, at least it's interesting, in like the 1800s and into the early part of the 1900s, there were many Christians, and this may surprise people who are listening to this, there were many Christians Bible-believing Christians who thought um, they they held a post-millennial view, which was that the gospel was going to spread to the whole world, and generally speaking, the whole world would be converted to Christ. They held a very optimistic view of the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And actually, many missionaries went to the field with that hope. That was kind of what drove them in some ways, too. Um, particularly after World War One and then World War Two, you start seeing uh, people thinking, "Oh, maybe, maybe the kingdom of God isn't going to come. Uh, maybe the gospel isn't going to be spread all over the world." And so people start becoming more, uh, we we could say, um, just just less optimistic or whatever. However you want to phrase it, maybe that's that's not a good word maybe to use. But the point is, um, in our engagement in the social order now, we want to as Christians be uh, real because total depravity is still a thing. Mm-hmm. And so while we do seek to do good in our callings, we also don't want to be, um, we also want to be realistic about the fact that all of our best efforts, ultimately we do love people and we do, um, we do the best we can in our callings, but we're also not going to be unrealistic and think that we're going to bring the kingdom of God on earth by our own actions mm-hmm. or changing and change, you know, we, by getting the presidency or Congress or yeah. institutions or this legislation or that legislation, the kingdom comes through the preaching of the word by the power of the spirit and will fully come when Jesus Christ returns. Yeah. And I think that what you're pointing out there, Spencer is, and we were talking about this a little bit before the, the podcast that that's why, the statement that's included in this article 15 is so important when it says uh, means and methods used for the improvement of society and the establishment of righteousness among men can be truly and permanently helpful only when they are rooted in the regeneration of the individual by the saving grace of God in Jesus Christ. Mm. And uh, we've referenced this uh, document put out by the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary a few times in this, but they're kind of expounding on like what this actually says. And mm. 
And what, what the author in here says, it says, but Southern Baptists are not willing to repeat the errors of turn of the century so, uh, social gospel Protestant liberalism. That's a kind of funny statement right now. But it says, this article makes clear that all efforts towards societal righteousness can be truly and permanently helpful only when they are rooted in the regeneration of the individual by the saving grace of God in Jesus Christ. In this, the article is consistent with the rest of the document. Social disorder does not spring ultimately from an underfunded public school system or from crumbling infrastructure, but from the sinful rebellion of Adam's heirs. Thus, all attempts at social reformation are doomed to failure unless they are joined with the full-throttled preaching of a gospel that results in a new creation in Christ Jesus. Mm. And that gets at what you were saying, is that we as Christians are not going to transform society Mm. So that it becomes heaven on earth right. by political engagement. Yeah. Right. That's not mm-hmm. going to happen. That's not what we're called right. to. Right. The only way, because what if that's what you believe, then you have you don't understand what the true problem is. Mm-hmm. If the true problem is sin within mm-hmm. the individual, right. then of course the systems around that all those sinful individuals are part of are going to be broken. Right. But the way you address the issue is not by addressing the mm-hmm. system. It's by addressing the individual, and the right. only thing that can change them is the gospel. Correct. Good point. Because the system is ultimately just the fruit. Yes. Of yeah. a of a sin problem. Correct. It's yeah. a it's a creation yeah. uh, originating mm-hmm. from original sin yeah. in our hearts. So, okay. Well, very good. Well, thanks for listening to this. We hope this has been helpful um, uh, as we've walked through this. Next week we'll be in uh, chapter sixteen, uh, peace and war, which is not a Tolstoy novel. Um, it's actually much shorter, thankfully. It's actually uh, War and Peace. <laughs> war and Peace, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, thanks for that, Dave, for correcting me. I really appreciate that. Um, as you can tell, I've never read the book. So, All right. Well, thanks for listening. Take care, and God bless.